we're still in this lockdown mode, you know, and thank you for doing your best to stay apart and to follow all the guidelines. We're masks where we can. We're doing all those things still as our county remains pretty high caseload, waiting for that to subside, and hopefully it will. I want to thank you, too. Anybody who, who has been praying for me this past week, we went to my dad's funeral on Monday, and it was neat to put him to rest. And uh, I just feel like, have you guys ever been to the, with the California State Park where you look at El Capitan? It's a big, huge, massive rock. And people climb it all the time. I, I feel like sometimes, like, especially after 2020, we slid to the bottom, we're looking up, and I need some tools for 2021. I need something to help me get climb this mountain that's ahead of us. And that's what I'm taking a little bit of a step back today and doing a small section of John. Because it's the beginning of the year, we normally do a topical type of idea. And this particular piece to me, super important. If I could give you one thing for the year, I think this, this would be it. And it's about being set free. What does it mean? How is that going to help you and I through this next 12 months and even beyond in terms of walking with the Lord, what your life is about? So I, I want to share that with you. I, you know, last week we talked about the woman caught in adultery and how she was interacting with Jesus. And, and he brought to the fore these two really critical truths, if you remember, right? One is every single person's a sinner. Remember he was saying, if you, if you haven't sinned, you can cast the rock. Go ahead, throw the first stone. And everybody went away. But the more important one almost is what he said next, right? Because he said to the woman there, he said, he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The Savior of the universe, the one who is worthy to judge, the Lamb of God, he, he says to her, you're forgiven. I'm not judging you. This is what Christianity is, you know. Jesus forgiving sinners who simply trust his promise, his word. He says, this is my word to you, and then he gives the word, right? We know more than that woman did. We know that Jesus went to a cross, and he died for us on the cross, and his blood covers our sin, and, and it's amazing, and it's why we even come to this place or, or in a church is because we have tasted this. We know she wasn't able to not sin anymore. Because the Bible says everybody keeps sinning. But we know she's forgiven by Jesus. This is the amazing truth of the gospel, right? Jesus is our everything. He's the bread of life, as he said in John. He gives the water of life, as he said in John. He's the light of life, as he said in John. And he's going to keep going. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the door of the sheep. All these things that say it's him. It's him alone. Sin doesn't keep us from God anymore. Our message isn't clean up. Our message is trust Jesus. This is a message the world wants to snuff out, you know. It really does. Actually, it's not just the world. It's the flesh and the devil too, right? The flesh is me. Okay, so this message is freedom, and you're free, and, and I'm saying this is going to be a case study on set free, but that's because Jesus says it. So if you have your Bibles and look, just a real short passage here in John, it, it says this. In John 8, beginning in verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him. Okay, look at that. 
He's not saying it to the Pharisees who were trying to trap him. To the Jews who had believed in him, he said, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. (laughs) Amazing statement, isn't it? He says to people who say, okay, okay, I've heard it. He says, if you just stay there, you will be, it's a word of promise, my disciples. And you'll be set free. Now, they respond, right? They say, whoa, 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 we're the offspring of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you'll become free? And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave doesn't remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is a huge deal. Maybe even the deal. Freedom. Not to be weighed down. Not to be under guilt or shame or worry or fear, but to be free. Freedom through this word of promise that Jesus is your everything. If the Son sets you free, you're free. So the whole question is, have I been set free? Has the Son done it? He said it, you know. Our problem for you and me, and and I put me in here for sure, is that it's, it's not so much that I don't accept the forgiveness of sin. I mean... I get it that Jesus forgives really big sin. It's that I don't really accept freedom. I reject a lot of times the message and the functioning of my life. I don't connect this idea of the gospel and what Jesus has said and all these things that he is. I don't connect it to the rest of my life. It's like, yeah, 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 forgiveness of sins. And then I keep on living over here in a whole way that doesn't give me the tools to climb El Capitan. Or maybe I think it does, but I'm not sure it really does. We continue to act like Jesus is not our everything, that he's a helper more than a savior. You know, he's interested in, in us shaping up. Getting better. So I want to explore with you this morning as a case study on what it means to be free. And we say, well, what's a case study? Well, I want to apply this message to an area that you and I struggle with. And I know you struggle with it because our whole nation's struggling with it right now. Everybody. It's on what love is. Loving. I want to talk to you about how you're loving. Because I think everybody that I know struggles with this. And I want to apply this and help, help you apply the, the, the message of the cross, the message of Jesus, the message of, of him and the, the woman caught in adultery that he's just given. And, and it's, it's not that that's a different message than the rest. It's the same message for all eight chapters of John. It's going to keep going. And, and I want to pull it into what it means to love because I'll tell you what, every single person needs to love. Love is what life is about, Right? I mean, what does the gospel, what does the receiving of Christ's promise, the statement of freedom, the forgiveness of sin mean in terms of our love for each other? What does it mean? How would you answer that? 
I'm choosing it because it's so important. When I say love, I mean a certain kind of love. You know, the English word, when I say love, is so broad as to be meaningless. Greek is much more precise. Depending upon how you want to slice it, there's like seven or even eight words for love. But there's, there's different kinds, right? There's, there, there's, there's love of a friend, sort of companionship. That's Philadelphia, where we get the word Philadelphia, philo. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about brotherly affection. There's the love that a man and a woman have, sort of the romantic, sensual stuff, and that's arrows. We're not talking about that. There's the love of a family. Like, I love my kids. I have this familial affection for them. Storge, not talking about that. There's more. But the one I am talking about is the one you've heard if you're a Christian, agape. Sacrificial love for other people. Laying down your life for other people. Self-sacrifice. Agape love. It's the kind when Jesus says love, he uses that one. Agape. Unconditional. The exalted ideal that's used whenever the Bible urges us that way, right? Super important. And when I talk about this, is what I mean. And it's urged all over. So important. I don't mean just in the church. The whole world is after this. If you have ears to hear, in society, it's urged all over. Think of other people first. Have compassion on the hurting. Think of the difficulties others have had and how wonderful to give to the homeless, to volunteer at a shelter, to take a meal to the hungry, to foster a needy child. Don't be selfish. Don't live for yourself alone. Give to other people. This is the concept behind what a public servant is, right? I mean, don't laugh at where our public servants have fallen to. But the whole idea is that they serve the community in love. Not selfish. This is beautiful. We engage in this, right? Habitat for Humanity is next door. We have salt on the street in our parking lot. It goes beyond into all the things. And our society is judging and looking all the time at how well we're loving. They lift love up. There's a wonder of love. I want to show you a little clip from, a, from, from the 2016 Tony Awards. Not Christian. Room full of people that don't believe in God. Most of them. Right? Listen, listen to this. Just a real short clip from an acceptance speech of an award. When senseless acts of tragedy remind us that nothing here is promised, not one day... Oh, the show is proof that history remembers. We live through times when hate and fear seem stronger. We rise and fall and light from dying embers, remembrances that hope and love last longer. And love is 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 love. Cannot be killed or swept aside. I sing the Nessa Symphony. Elijah tells her story. Now fill the world with music, love, and pride. Thank you so much for this. Fill the world with music, love, and pride. Love is love is love is love is... So it's, it's there, right? This is, this is not somebody saying, hey, and let's look to the cross and look to Jesus. It's the world saying, love is really good. Let's go do it. And they're right, mostly right, aren't they? 
Don't you think love is good? I do. It's this peace, right? I think they get it from the church. Christianity is love. Yeah, I know. Rinks. Love is in the air. The scriptures exalt love, right? Greater love has no man than this, and he laid down his life for his friend. Love your enemies. Love one another. Owe no one anything except to love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. God is love. The greatest of these is love. I'm just quoting little snippets of Scripture. I'm not giving each one to you, but these are all from the Bible, right? They're all things where it says in the New Testament where God says, Hey, love is good. Do love. It's, it's fantastic. This whole chapter in Corinthians about, about sort of the exalted nature of love, right? It describes a lot of wondrous activities. Here, Luel, I'll put that up. Here's 1 Corinthians 13. It says, love is patient and kind and doesn't envy or boast. It's using agape each time. It isn't arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I see this. I'm called to it. I want to be about this. It should be no surprise. This is the catchphrase of many churches. Love God and love people. We want to be about love. If you want to succeed in life, love. If you want a good marriage, love. If you want to sort of bless other people, love. If you want to be like Jesus, love. Agape love. And now I get, we do define acts of love differently, right? So in society, they, they says, hey, well, this is the main difference, taxes. It's the, it's, in society, in the world, they, they can't see the heart. So it's all about the activities, and they redefine what love is. And, and so they, they think that, that tolerating sin is love, or they think that, that, that there's these things that love is that I don't think love is. But, but I think love is over here, and it's like being like Jesus and, 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 and laying down my life for other people. I would say, yeah, but you get that it's all the same concept inside that people are talking about. They twist the word maybe, but the concept is what they're after. And the Christian just goes a little deeper and say, you know what? It's really about the heart. The world can't see the heart. The, the society can't see the heart. They just see the outside, so they try and judge by externals. But we are looking for the heart. And I want to have a heart that loves We exalt love. We define it in terms of the Bible, and some difference that that might mean, but it's, that's actually not the greatest difference and why we're talking about it this morning. Love is fantastic. Love is important. And it's different than you think when it comes to what it means to be a Christian. Because love is the law. Right? I mean, as a Christian, 
To be a Christian is not to follow the world. The world's against Christ. So this blanket idea of how great it is to love, this push to love is the pinnacle of good behavior in our society. We shouldn't just swallow it whole. We evaluate it against the Bible. We come to the Bible and we say, okay, well, I just quoted you a bunch of Bible verses to say love is great. Why is it great? So love, super important. Love is exalted, it's urged, it's exhorted, it's lifted up by Jesus Christ himself as law, right? Well, let me show you a couple more verses. Here's in Romans, this isn't Christ himself, this is Paul. Love is the fulfilling of the law. That's pretty clear, huh? Romans 13.10, there's no more there, I'm just giving you snippets. Here's, here's another one, Galatians 5.14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. I've always loved this verse because then it gives us four or five words. <laughs> the whole law is fulfilled in one word. Okay, what is it? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the word. What? Love each other. Dude, I'll tell you who would buy into this. The world would buy into this in spades. The guy on the screen would buy into Love is love is love is love is love is love is love. Let's go do it together. The thing the Bible adds in is that it's the law. God has a duty, you know. If you want to be blessed, if you want to go right, then you do the thing. You keep the commandments, and I know the commandments mostly as negative ones, you know, like don't covet and don't murder and don't steal and all those things. And, and here's a, a positive statement, and here is Jesus in Matthew 22. Jesus in himself said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. If you love, you'll live. So this, the syllogism that uh, Christians often buy into, that Christians actually speak out, is along the lines of Jesus helps me love so that I will live. Because the great ideal is to love. If I can love, then I will live. Because this is what we've taught, this is what the world echoes. So, oh, we, we like that. I'll bring it in. I'll say, okay, how well are you loving? And then we'll make a little standard. And it won't be the Bibles. It's off. But the idea is the same, that, that if you can do all these things, then you're acceptable and good in society. We like you. Come, great person who does good deeds for others. And the message gets mixed, right? She gets missed totally because the message is the message of Christianity is that the law does what? The law never pats you on the back, it always accuses you. It always says you're not doing enough. It never says, Well done, faithful servant. It always says, what, why haven't you done more? It always does that. Why, why, why do I say that? Th- things like this, right? Things like um, Romans 3.20 that says that by the works of the law, no man will be righteous before God. 
We won't go there. I, 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 too many scriptures to throw us around the screen. Or Galatians 2.16, which, which, says, which says that nobody, by the works of the law, nobody will go to heaven. Works of the law, what are those? Love. It's love. Love is the works of the law. L- love is the way that let's say, okay, well, well, by loving, I don't get anywhere. So think on this. Think for anyone in society. The ideal stands there. It's beautiful that the world is better with love. And the world, though, right, says love is relative. It's not always condemning. You do a good deed in the world and you, you show how wonderful it is that you're doing. In love. You're patted, you are patted on the back, right? That happens a lot. We, we spend time doing as much as we can to show other people. And then we bring in our circumstances and our situations and we justify ourselves. I love the best I can. I'm raising adoptive kids, you know. It's really hard. Maybe other people should have compassion on me. I can't love you like you should be loved, but I'm trying. Or love becomes whatever the hot button of the day is for the world because there's no actual way that we can love all the time. We get selective and we judge other people in in, in our definition of love. And because we're walking on this principle that love is the ultimate, we're not walking on the principle love is the law. By the way, we should all keep the law. But we don't. You realize then we have grounds to judge each other. Your marriage fails because your love was not unconditional. Your relationships, boy, they look okay in the service, but underneath there's anger and frustration because you're not loving enough or they're not loving you enough. The world's definition falls short because it really lowers what love is. It's not going totally on the Bible about the heart because by the heart, you know, you look at your heart and you don't love all the time. I know that. But I can kind of fake it if you're just going to look at my outside. But, but I, I know that Christian has a higher bar because we actually look at the heart that you have inside. And if I look at your heart, each and every one of your hearts, and I say, how good is your heart? And how good is your heart? And how good is your heart? And we look inside and we look for love and we won't find all that there should be. Say, well, but I, I'm, I'm saved. I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about Jesus' love. I'm talking about your love. By the works of the law, nobody's going to be righteous before God. What we call love isn't heart-motivated compassion in every moment, but has slivers of self-justification and self-achievement in it. Because actual love is pretty impossible for me all the time. Even the world's definition, you know. If you give someone a dime, why not a quarter? If you give someone a quarter, why not a dollar? If you give someone a dollar, why not a thousand dollars? If you give someone a thousand dollars, why not your house? If you give someone your house, why not everything you have? Why are you holding anything back? Why do you do anything for you? Why don't you live in self-sacrificial love for other people? 
Why don't you? Jesus didn't have a house. He certainly didn't drive a car. Well, okay, fine, they didn't have cars. But that's the deal, right? If you really go down that line, all you can do is be relative. I'm more loving than that person. I give more. I do more. And the Christian inclination then is to jump in and say, we can do it better. Well, well, okay, we can do it better because our standards are higher. We actually have a better definition in the Bible, right? I gave it to you. Love your enemy. Okay, I have a thought process for you, oh, dyed-in-the-wool Democrat who hates Donald Trump. Think about you just going and serving and loving and washing his feet, just being around him and hugging him and loving him. Or if you're a dyed-in-the-wool Republican, do the same thing with Nancy Pelosi. We, we, we don't love our enemies. We love the people that are like us. That, that's not the way. The, the Bible says that the love is this over here, and it's really high, and it's the law. And, and you have to do it, and it's a duty that you do it, and people should do it. And then when you see other people not doing it, you say, man, that's wrong, and you're Right? When you don't do it, then that's wrong. And you're right. Love is really high with a perfect motive, never thinking ill, laying your life down for your enemy. And it's the law. And theologically, I hope you see, the law always accuses. And so when you leave that, you've left Christianity. So, so, so come back. So the woman caught in adultery. We did this last week, right? What did she do to deserve death? The answer is she broke the law. When she broke the law, she deserved death. Because the law said if you aren't faithful to your spouse, then you get killed. And she was guilty. Are you guilty? She didn't love. I'll tell you what. I got to see the truth. We don't love. That's the message of Christianity, right? That you see how different it is in the world. The world says love because it's your highest value. At least fake it. At least do better than the guy next to you. Christianity says you don't love enough. Love is a burden. Love is always evaluating, always wondering, always seeing if I'm giving enough, if others are giving enough towards me, and are they really? And there's no freedom in that. There's no freedom in saying, I'm going to accomplish love. Not if you're real. Love fulfills the law. Of course it does. The law is love, and love fulfills the law, and you don't fulfill the law. It accuses you. That's why Romans 7 says you had to die to the law to get into Christ. What am I dying to? The law of love. That's the law. It's screaming at you. You're condemned, and you're saying, yes, I am. I stink at this. I don't love enough. I never will. I'm humbled. I need a savior yesterday, today, and forever. I, I, I think love is beautiful. I thought it was beautiful when I was 15. I thought it was beautiful when I was 35. I think it's beautiful now that I'm in the 50s. It's still beautiful. I just don't measure up. 
This is a pathway to freedom. Why? Because what about Jesus? Where does Jesus come in? What is it for you? Because we're rejecting this idea. You better reject this idea that Jesus, as you stand at El Capitan, that Jesus is, is a rope and a little clip for you to try and climb it yourself. No, no, no. Jesus himself is love. This is love, 1 John says, right? This is love. Not that we love God, but he's loved us. We come to Jesus and receive his love. And, and that's what, why he said, you want to be free? Abide in my word. The truth will set you free. What's the truth? He did it for us. That's the truth. The woman in adultery doesn't come in love. She isn't showing loving afterwards. She comes and receives forgiveness. You and I need forgiveness because we'll never love enough. We never will. We'll try. The world will urge it. They'll say it's being done. Your flesh will urge it. You'll think you need to. So you will, but you'll fail. And the only freedom is absolution. It's forgiveness for yourself and for other people. Because as we've all received grace upon grace, we've received the incredible love of Christ. Different pathways, right? Jesus helping me love, helping me be the best I can be, and Jesus forgiving me, and, and Jesus, man, being my love if I abide in him. And, and I know we're, we're going late. I've got to end. But, but, but so I, I come to El Capitan, and, and, and instead of Jesus handing me a backpack full of tools so I can climb 2021 with love, Jesus sticks me on his back and starts climbing. Because he will get me through. Why do I think that's true? Because that's what he said. He said, if you hear my word, if you trust me, if you abide in my word, what's the word? That I am your bread, that I am your light, that I am your life, that that he will get you through. That's being his disciple, and that's freeing. Why? Because I trust him, not me. So, so I trust that I'm perfect forever by his finished work. I'm not on a path to better perfection on earth. If I don't do something more, I, I might be tossed aside. I trust the word of promise. That's one way I trust. I, there's another way. I trust he's going to use me. The world has defined for me what the best way to think is and the best way to do. It has nothing to do with the promise of Christ. But you and I have the promise of Christ. Do you not believe in Jesus' word for you? He says to you, by grace you're saved. Not of yourself, it's the work of God. He says it through Paul in Ephesians, right? He saves you. And then he says through Paul, your life, right? You've got works that you're going to do because they've been prepared beforehand by God. He's got you and he's going to get you exactly to where you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to be. This is our trust of God. You've got to realize your eyesight's about as good as my old pet turtle. My old pet turtle is blind. I can't see who sees really well. Jesus does. So, so here's tools, right? The tools I need to, the, to, to say, okay, I'm going to make it through this year is actual trust in the promise of God for me that he forgives me. I'm his, that he's going to take me through, and he's going to use me. He's going to even create in me the desires to do the, the works he wants. So, so here I am doing my works. My works are what? Well, I'm hanging out with my buddies playing video games and talking about Jesus. 
Is that better than, than, than someone saying, oh, well, what I'm doing is standing on the corner and, and witnessing or working in an office and doing my job or doing what? No, I don't know. I'm blind. How do I know? I know this. Jesus said he's going to use you. Trust him. I did this in the funeral we just had on Monday. My dad had 20 years of building 500 churches. And then he had 10 years of sitting in a wheelchair. How was he used more by God? Careful. Was God in charge of him in a wheelchair? Of course he was. You don't know. I don't know what your life's going to hold, but I know this. The promise of God is going to use you. And you're going to get to heaven. You're going to see it. And it'll be cool. It's not going to be what the world called love. But it's going to be what Jesus used you to produce, the Holy Spirit in you, right? And so this is my trust. It's freeing. Why? Because I don't, what's, I'm not worried about the, the condemnation of the world. I'm worried about Jesus and his promise when Jesus says, hey, I've got you and I've got you all the way through. And that's what he does. Jesus uses you and trusting is going to bear fruit in us. It sets me free from judging myself or others. I don't have to evaluate life and sort of maximizing personal achievement because I don't know what God's doing. He's doing something way bigger than we can even understand. And this is the freeing thing. He's got us. He does. Okay, we do need to end. But to be set free, instead of idolizing love, we come back and say, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And not love is love is love is love. But Jesus is Christ, is Messiah, is truth, is life, is, is love, and has you forever. He does. Trust him. Let's pray.